The Paceline Tandem talks with Jake Pantone of Envy Composites, who describes his glamorous start at the high-end wheel company, lacing wheels and taking calls. I mounted a truing stand to my desk. <laughs> and so just be like truing and building wheels uh, while you're on the phone or lacing wheels. We also talk about what products get made at Envy, as well as which ones don't and why. We've had a fat bike rim on the list for like four years. It, the only reason it doesn't exist is because currently there hasn't been a person here that's just each drinks and breathes fat biking to the point where they believe that will mm. needs to be the number one priority because everybody skis. <laughs> so. podcast on two wheels tandem episode number three i'm eldon fatty nelson the idea behind these tandem episodes is to give your paceline hosts a chance to have free-flowing deep diving conversations with people doing amazing things in the bike universe for this conversation i'm talking with jake pantone of envy composites the high-end wheel design and manufacturing company based out of ogden utah i wanted to talk with jake because i see him as a cycling success story he started at Envy lacing wheels and taking customer support phone calls, often at the same time. So the fact that he's now the marketing and product director is no small thing. Jake and I talk about the hot new M series, how Envy chooses and rejects new products to build, their concept of production process, how the wheel industry is changing, and even consider what the next miracle material might be after carbon. It's a wide-ranging conversation with a good guy who knows his stuff. Let's get right to it. Jake Pantone, Envy Composites, welcome to the Paceline Tandem. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. So you have been at Envy for how long? Uh, going on 11 years now. 11 years. Have you ever worked anywhere else? I mean, I mean, fast food, I mean, apart from fast food. Or... <laughs> no, nope, this was, uh, this... this was, went straight from the bike shop to to the bike industry. So you, you did, you have worked at bike shops before. Yeah. I, I worked at a bike shop for basically all through college and a little bit in high school. So what were you studying? In I college? avoided fast food completely. Just to <laughs> everyone should work fast food. They probably should. It probably teach you a lot. <laughs> it about, does teach you a lot about what to, you don't want to do. What did you study in college? Um, I studied marketing primarily. Oh. Yeah. And here you are. And with the title of marketing director and product manager. So you just got back from Interbike, right? Yes. It's Interbike. Uh, before that Eurobike, before that a media launch for our new M series. You are <laughs> <It's> been busy. <laughs> are you on the road? Like almost constantly? I'm not actually much to, uh, Whatever, what it appears, I'm I'm actually here quite often. It's just this time of year. Yeah, it's just this time of year. I mean, I travel once a quarter, mm -hmm. sometimes once a month. So out of the three, <laughs> it's you, busy. Out of the three, you, you were just talking about, you know, inner bike, Euro bike, and then of course the, the new uh, the new launch. I'm guessing that the new launch was probably the one you're most excited about or? Well, I mean, it was exciting on multiple levels, having an awesome product and then getting to ride your bike for multiple days with media. 
so, you know, it's pretty tough to beat that scenario. <laughs> so where was this? So we went to uh, Bike Park Wells in the UK mm-hmm. as first trip to Wells. And uh, we have a great distributor over there, uh, Saddleback is their name. And so they, we were over there doing a, a meeting earlier this summer and they said, hey, we have this great relationship with this awesome bike park that we sponsor, you know, and, you know, MV is a demo wheel option there. And we're, we got the wheels turning and said, you know, we could, we could do a UK and EMEA media launch for the new M series there. And they said, mm-hmm. you guys got to come. So we, we made it, made it happen, but amazing bike park. I mean, I had no idea what we were going to get into, <laughs> but it makes sense why there's so many good riders from the UK. Yeah. Yeah. No great, great training trails. <laughs> so, I mean, as, as long as we're on this, tell, go ahead and tell me a little bit more about the new wheels. The new M series is, you know, our, our pride and joy. We, we developed M series, the first generation M series back in 2014. And the reality is a lot of things have changed since then, you know, 29 inch wheels are being raced in downhill. You have plus tires. That's a whole new platform. Um, volume in general has gone up substantially and, uh, you know, boost is a thing now, which wasn't before, you know, just everything in the world of mountain bike wheel and tire combinations has changed. And so, um, you know, the new M series is a completely rethought, modernized M series line of wheels. And the thing that's most exciting to us about it is we've come out with two new technologies that reduce the propensity for pinch flatting. And so that's what's most exciting on the more cross country and trail category. We have this um, patent pending technology called wide hookless bead, and it creates a, a more compliant carbon rim structure that helps reduce the chances of pinch flatting. And then on more of the gravity and trail side, we have a completely unique technology and we have this really innocuous name called the protective rim strip. <laughs> it's really, uh, um, it's uh, been coined the stripper because it's this polymer strip that goes around the outside of the rim and it's integrated into the rim itself. See, I would have um, called it the rim condom. The rim, yeah, that's that's another option. <laughs> Trust me, though, all the names in the world came about. But uh, yeah, so this, this strip technology, um, you know, it was a wild idea we had. We said, mm-hmm. you know, like this, this, this could work, you know, like it, we needed to create a interface between the hard carbon and the hard trail. And so we now have this bumper system that is integrated into the, the wheel. It's part of the geometry and it, it literally eliminates pinch flatting. So, you know, a lot of people think pinch flatting was eliminated with the introduction of tubeless many years ago. And the reality right. is, is that yes, initially when you had an alloy rim, which is alloys generally soft for the most part, especially in rims. And then you had these USD tires, which had super thick sort of burly sidewalls. And, right. you know, for a lot of people, it did eliminate pinch flats, but tires then got lighter. And then we introduced carbon and carbon went hookless and the hookless leading edge of the rim was very stiff and hard. And then we started cutting and pinch flatting, you know, right through the tire itself. So now people are out there running DH casings and there's things, you know, there's double down and all these technologies that are just basically triple or quadruple ply casings of tires that uh, riders are using just to prevent pinch flats. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have this whole um, little industry burgeoning out of all this, which is the flat tire defenders, the hug Norris, all these tire inserts that are um, there to create this internal bumper to, again, pr- protect your rim and prevent pinch flatting. And, uh, you know, those, those systems are cool from an aftermarket standpoint, meaning you can take them and put them in any wheel system, but they're, they add weight and they in general, generally reduce performance from 
in our opinion. And yeah. so we've, we've created this uh, solution with the uh, protective rim strip that doesn't add any weight and completely eliminates pinch flatting. And so for that, we're super excited and it's, you know, it's what happens when we put our heads together in this building. <laughs> so you are the, you're director of product marketing as well as product management. Is that right? Or yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, we're still a relatively small company. So I, I wear a couple hats, but well, you're in a small company, but it's part of a big company. So uh, yes. is, are you more or less left alone or how, what is that like? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we were acquired by Amherst sports a year ago mm -hmm. and it's, it's been awesome. You know, the, we're part of a family of amazing brands. Uh, you know, it's, the list is long, you know, Solomon, Arcteryx, Mavic, Sunto, Atomic, uh, Armada, uh, Wilson Sporting Goods, Precor. Like these are all sure. really amazing brands. And it's, it's great to be part of that, uh, that family of brands. But for the most part, we're, we're left to be who we want to be. Yeah. Now I, I, I want this was sort of a, a side topic, but I want to talk about both things. I want to talk about the the product management part of what you yeah, do. Yeah. As, but I also am interested in what has changed uh, as being, you know, you're NV based in Ogden, Utah, small company that is doing a super premium, you know, super premium wheels and components. Now you are a small company, but part of a really large company. What has changed and what hasn't changed that you expected to change? Um, I mean, all, you know, the reasons Amherst Sports was interested in us are for what we do really well and that's innovate and we're carbon experts. And so because we have this expert, um, expertise in the carbon wheel sector, uh, you know, that was very attractive to them. And so we're left alone to continue to innovate and develop the product that we've been producing for the last 10 years. Um, you know, the things that change, there's new reporting, you know, there's, sure. there's more travel, there's more meetings, there's things of that nature that are just, uh, the result of being part of a bigger organization. Um, but when it comes to day-to-day -day life at Envy and Envy being Envy, you know, our brand is left, left to be, you know, all the same people that were on the marketing team are still on the marketing team. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the great changes that we now have is we have a much better global distribution. So we have brand rec we have our brand positioned in more countries than before um you know last year was a big year of change and and because we've had more global demand we've had um we've had some challenges um, last year you know we brand new building yeah you know completely new manufacturing processes in terms of the way things flow so this whole facility was specifically designed for manufacturing carbon rims yeah and uh components so um, you know, it was a big year of change and, you know, carbon is a very, uh, complex material to work with. And so change <laughs> with, with change comes change. And so we've had, um, you know, we've had our own challenges just with this increased, you know, demand from a global perspective to then meeting the, meeting the demand with our supply here has been a big challenge and a focus through 2017. But as we come to the end of this year, we're, we're we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and it's, it's looking bright. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So I wanted, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the product management part of what you do. You know, the, the marketing, I don't really care. No, no, <laughs> no I do, but I, I am interested. I mean, you, it might be good to sort of give a little bit of background because you didn't start at Envy in product management. You started as a wheel builder, right? Yeah. So, I mean, my background, I went to school here locally at Weber State University mm -hmm. and I did a marketing degree and I was racing bikes and working at the local bike shop down the street. And, uh, you know, this opportunity came to come work for this new composites company. And initially the opportunity was, you know, Hey, we need a wheel builder, which I knew how to build wheels. I right. was doing that at the shop. And, uh, so I said, yeah, sure. I'll come over and build some wheels, um, part-time. When I came here, it turned out that I didn't actually build wheels at first. I was working in the back doing layups. So I was making carbon parts. And at the time we were um, still doing a fair amount of contract manufacturing for, you know, other outdoor brands. Mm -hmm. So we were, we were making kayak paddles and the, you know, the blades as well, the, the handles. Um, we were making ice X handles for black diamond. We were doing, um, we were doing uh, custom tubing and, and stays and, you know, chain and seat stays for Parley. And we just started, eventually we got into doing some forks and so my first i don't even remember you know six months maybe to a year we're all basically doing layup and learning just learning about composites um learn you know learned quite a bit in those first six months and uh and uh that was really important to jason the founder of the company he wanted he wanted me to understand composites i mean and i'm by Far no expert <laughs> just laying up a few parts doesn't make me an expert by any stretch of the imagination but but you um, literally it, had it, hands on it was fun it was fun and it was a cool experience to be able to have hands on on um, these products and see how just the process worked you know what goes into making something out of carbon mm -hmm. um and uh you know as as that kind of went on i i yeah i laid up a lot of chain stays for parley z3s yeah <laughs> which was which was fun um i helped uh, I made a bunch of different sort of laminate layups for these, uh, carbon front derailleur hangers that snapped onto the Parley frame. So we, we did, uh, we were developing those at the time. So yeah, it was a lot of contract manufacturing mm -hmm. to bring, bring money in so we could tool up to begin wheel development. So once the rims started coming out of the molds, that's when there was obviously more necessity to be actually lacing and building wheels. And so yeah. that's when, as that accelerated, I, did less and less of the the layup and more and more of the you know lacing and building wheels and then yeah, i think it was 07 we went to interbike for the first time and yeah. that was kind of the change we went to interbike and we sort of launched edge composites and we we had you know one stand in a corner of the parley booth at interbike and we talked to a lot of people and told our story and talked about you know how we thought a we could do a better carbon rim. And, and then basically after interbike, my job then changed again to being more, I was then on the phone, you know, calling people whose business cards they got in interbike and yeah, making sales calls. And I effectively moved from, you know, sort of the layup and wheel building side to doing customer service. And, uh, yeah, from customer <laughs> service, you know, I, I was still the only wheel builder more or less in the building. I mean, there's a handful of other guys that knew how to build wheels. So they'd come and help from time to time. And, but yeah, basically for a couple of years there, it was, you know, on the phone and the computer during the day and then at night go and stay late and build wheels. Mm -hmm. And then there was even a pretty interesting spell where we mounted 
I mounted a truing stand to my desk. <laughs> and so um, you're on the phone. Yeah, wheels. Just, exactly. Yeah. You just be like <laughs> truing and building wheels uh, while you're on the phone or lacing wheels um, at the desk and multi-desk. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So, you know, as Envy's a product company. Sure. So when you, it's really hard to, it's really hard to separate product from marketing because, you know, the best marketing we have is our product. We don't, you know, we've never been a company to really push mega marketing campaigns. I mean, sure, we want the awareness. So we've bought advertising. We've done these things here and there. Um, we sponsor athletes. But, you know, sponsorship is really important to Envy because it's about the product. You know, yeah. we, we don't there's products that exist in our product line that would not exist if it weren't for the feedback we get from our professional athletes. And so, like pro oh, I mean, you know, our downhill wheels. So, you know, the M90 uh, the new M930, you know, not necessarily conceptually, but, you know, the product being at the level that it is today where it's, you know, this carbon downhill wheel that really has, it's the king of the downhill, carbon downhill wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the king of downhill wheels, really. I mean, there's nothing that performs in the same, you know, weight to strength to ride quality level as that wheel. And, you know, that wheel's only where it's at today because of the input and the feedback we've gotten from Santa Cruz Syndicate been a great partner on that front. Uh, the other really, I mean, really exciting. This was kind of my baby. Um, I championed this product a lot last year was the new 4.5 all road or right. AR. And you know, that will, you know, I think we would have come to that product eventually, but we sponsored team dimension data and we were going to, we went to our first year with them was 2000. That was 15. Wasn't 15. It? Yeah. 2015. <laughs> so it was, it was a December of 14. I believe that we went to Belgium to ride cobbles with the team. And, you know, this is a brand new team and the riders were just getting used to new equipment. So they're first time on Cervelo's first time on Schwalbe tires and first time on Envy. And so as we're there, we're looking at these aerodynamic rim straight rim shapes that we'd developed specifically for 25 millimeter tires. And then they're slapping these 30 millimeter tires on them. And you've got this ice cream cone yeah, the shape. Yeah. It. You got this bulge and we're like, man, you know, like over half of this Perry Roubaix is on the open roads of Belgium. You know, it's, it's a very short amount. I mean, it's, it's all things considered. Those cobbles are very, very important, but uh -huh. you know, a lot of that race you're just spent out on the open roads. And so having some aero efficiency out there makes a lot of sense. So this, just this concept was born of, Hey, like, can we create the world's best classics wheel, you know, a wheel that handles these really high volume tires that allow you to, to clear and um, pass the cobble sections, the cobbled sectors, uh, efficiently and without, you know, in the comfort and speed that you need without breaking a rim or flatting. So, and can we also have the aero performance we need out on the open road? Right. And that's where the, that's where this 4.5 AR concept was born. And yeah, I think we would have gotten there eventually, but this really accelerated it. So, you know, when we launched that wheel last year, it was truly a one of a kind sort of option. There was nothing else like it. And, and uh, yeah, and you know, laced through all of our product line is, are the stories like this and yeah. the feedback from the athletes and just pushing it to the limits that yeah. gets us where we need to be through the wheel industry in general. Mm -hmm. So much has changed in the last couple of years to the point where, I mean, if you know, I'm riding along side by side with someone and the chances of us being able to have interchangeable wheels, super low now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> is, 
do you see that ever settling down or is it just going to become even more fragmented? We're seeing some of it slow down, but I also see things on the horizon and hear about things on the horizon that may make that, that, uh, utopia a few years away still. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're finally getting to the point with hub geometries where we're really, you know, optimizing the build geometry of the wheel. So, you know, that was one of the things with M series, like before boost, you have, you have compromised, you know, bracing angles effectively because right. you have disc brake and so you end up with these narrow, narrow flange spacing. And so, you know, you're somewhat compromised in the amount of stiffness you can get out of the wheel system. And so boost, boost definitely improved that quite a bit. And so that's one of the reasons the new M series were allowed to make a more compliant, less rigid and stiff rim for the new M series versus the first generation, right. because we have boost. Um, so we can make, you know, our 525, which replaces the M50 is 50 grams lighter as a rim, but has the same stiffness. So that that's performance brought by these changes. And so, you know, change is always hard because <laughs> we all have these people have bikes and the consumers are fatigued by the changes from, you know, it's 27. No, now it's 29. Now there's 27 plus, you know, and oh, by the way, your 142 is dead now because boost is the thing. And then there's these rumors of this thing called super boost. And then, you know, it, it's, it's a little, um, chaotic out there. <laughs> well, <laughs> chaotic for sure. But I mean, I think most of us are okay with that. But those of us who are, you know, constantly trying to, you know, run the latest and greatest, it's impossible now, right? It, yeah. you, there, there is no such thing as the latest and greatest. It's latest and greatest within a particular vector. Yeah. So on the mountain bike side, it seems like we're going to get a little bit of stability. Mm. Just, I mean, you know, for at least the next year, <laughs> <laughs> boost is boost is here and boost is pretty um, ubiquitous across everybody's new latest, greatest bikes. And so that's, that's great. Um, I think where we're going to going to be seeing these trends for build geometries now go is more to the, the gravel side of the world. Right. So, a lot of you know, there's obviously everything from QR, there's still quick release, you know, 100 by 135 spacing in there. You've got 12 by 142. And now there's even rumors of boost making its way into these gravel, you know, all road disc road bikes. So that could be something we, we see in the future. <laughs> there are so, you have so many products on in the pipeline at all times. R&D is obviously a huge part of what you're doing. I'm interested in, in how you, how you are doing R and D from a couple of perspectives. One thing is what is, how are you assessing demand? You know, that is, you don't want to go building wheels for, you know, for riders who don't exist. Right. So how do you figure out who wants what? And perhaps more importantly, and more interestingly to me is what do you guys do to figure out what is the right, you know, what is the right shape? What is the right wheel? How do you, t how do you do your Q and a, um, yeah, those are great questions. So first and foremost, we make what we want to ride. So it's very important for those of us in product and design here at Envy to ride bikes. And, I, and I'll barge in for a second. You know, <laughs> this is my first time in this building. Uh -huh. and, you know, before uh, before you came de uh, down to pick me up in the lobby, I went to use the restroom, which is also a locker room, and it's obviously a really well used locker room. <laughs> <laughs> like a million towels and bike shoes and everything. Like now, this is clearly a company made up 
of people who love to ride and I mean, is and i i haven't been i haven't been to this you know this area before i can you ride right from the shop or are you guys doing lunch rides starting here and ending here or what are you guys doing yeah you know i mean that's the beauty of uh beauty of road riding is you can leave right out the front door and yeah um but right behind the building there's a bike path that um takes us to allows us to get some access to some less busy roads yeah. and there's some good loops from here. You know, we're not too far from North Ogden divide and you know, if we want to go climb Hills and then out West, we have some other out West and down South here, we have a couple other loops, but nice. yeah, I mean, we, we try to, we try to, um, ride as much as possible. You know, we love <laughs> riding. This is a company that was founded by riders and we, we always use that, that mantra of, you know, for riders by riders is sort of the theme was the theme of the product line. And, you know, initially that's what it was. We were, this whole company was simply founded on this concept of like, Hey, I want a wheel that does this. And I think I can make it. And so let's, let's do it. And so initially it was just, yeah, yeah, we can, we want to, we want to make the product that we wanted to ride. And then it turned out that our buddies wanted to ride it too. And, you know, their buddies wanted to ride it because we're just, we were just simply making product that people wanted. And we haven't strayed too far from that, you know, in terms of like when we look at product and decide, is this something we should make or not? The first thing we ask ourselves is, well, who, who wants this? Who wants to ride this? Who personally in the building has, you know, more of a skin in the game on this? Like mm-hmm. who cares enough to make this? You know? Yeah. Who's, who's going to take point on this as someone who mm-hmm. actually is like, and, this and, is a wheel I wish I had. Yeah. And in, in case in point, um, we have nothing against fat biking. I right. think it's great, you know, it, but there's a product, we've had a fat bike rim on the list for like four years. <laughs> and the only reason nobody, it, it, the only reason it doesn't exist is because you don't have a passionate, someone who's passionate not, about there's it. There's not here. a single person, I just, just well, depend there, there. Currently there hasn't been a person here. There's just each drinks and breathes fat biking to the point where they believe that will mm. needs to be the number one priority because everybody skis. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> winter, so when the snow's falling, we're all sort of thinking like skiing, <laughs> but yeah, though that, there's some irony there that fat biking in Utah is a victim of too good, too good of snow. Yeah. Well, and it's true. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to ride a fat bike in snow that's waist deep, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but back to, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, kind of back to the whole R and D thing. So tell me, I mean, Sure. I, I'm not asking you to tell reveal company secrets, but no, I mean, yeah. So here's how we do it. Um, assuming we get to the point where we're like, we're going to make this product, you know, we, we send a product through, we have a business case for it that generally goes over the must have, like to have features and parameters of the project. We look at, um, you know, the market potential for the product and assuming all that checks out, we have a kickoff where we, you know, the engineers then go to design phase and they design the product. And then we have a few reviews, through that process. And at some point we begin cutting tooling. And once, you know, once we've def- defined a shape for a rim, for example, so we'll define the shape for the rim, everybody signs off on it. And then from that, from that mold, we can make different iterations to different laminates, different weights, you know, different stiffness profiles. And generally we three to four sort of where we'll start, you know, and then it kind of refines from there. So they'll go to the lab and then they're doing testing in the lab to sort of, and sometimes it's more, you know, some of these M series rims have seen literally like dozens of different laminates mm-hmm. um, chasing different things and just trying to find that exact, you know, intersection for weight and strength and stiffness. Um, so once they go through a lab and there's refined down to usually like three models or three laminates, 
So we'll say like, here's lamina A, B, and C. This one did really well at, you know, they'll decide which ones perform best and they'll take those three and then we'll build them and go ride them. And so we then go ride them. And then that's a several week process where we're, where we're getting both external and mostly internal um, ride tests performed. And we have a system we use to rate and grade the product. And it's, you know, generally, yeah, so we, we do that process. It's both subjective and objective feedback. And so when it's all said and done, it comes out in a grade, you know, it's usually like one to five with a bunch of rankings. So, you know, this will have scored 4.8 and this will have scored, you know, three point whatever, you know. So right. we look at those and say, okay, well, like there's either a clear winner or there's not. And if there's not a clear winner, we'll do a few more ride tests until we really hone down like, okay, here are the objectives of the project. Here's how it's performing in feedback. And, you know, this is, then we sign off. Okay. Like this is the laminate that we're going to take through qualification. So that means it goes through all the tests in the lab. It's like the final test lab procedures to say, this is safe and dialed for production. And then from production, it goes into uh, a pilot, which is basically, you know, the pregame show. <laughs> so it's, it's making sure that we can reproduce the wheel time and time again in production out on the floor, because before that, everything's happening um, below us here in the R and D shop. So we basically can do full wheel production from concept to riding it out of our R and D shop below. So once we've done that, it goes to the pilot and that's when it goes out to the production floor. And that's where we say, okay, you know, can we produce this wheel and can we do this, do it with, you know, the right scrap percentages, et cetera. And once it's past pilot, um, that's, you know, it, that's when we start building inventory and can begin shipping the products. So it's a very, to sum it up, you know, our, our development process is very hands-on. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, you know, the engineers are in the same building. So, I mean, we, we maintain this very close relationship with the product and it's not, you know, our engineers don't just get to design a cool shape and then send it off. They also have to figure out how to make it. So they design the molds that it comes out of because, you know, a carbon part is only as good as the mold that comes out of in a lot of cases. And so that's sort of the other piece of the puzzle is these guys, you know, are, in it up to their eyeballs all the time, you know? So, uh, yeah. So again, very hands-on, very much involved with the product from concept to production and yeah. obviously forever. <laughs> yeah. Heavy involvement throughout. Now, of course you do more than just wheels, right? I mean, it's, there's, I, I think if you were to ask most people, they would think of envy very closely associated to, to rims. That said, there are a bunch of things that you do, uh, uh, other components that you do for bikes, but there's also quite a few that you don't do. And I'm interested in what you, I mean, you maybe already hinted at that with a, well, there's just no one who is willing to go to the mat for a particular, you know, for a fat bike uh, rim, for example. But how about for some of the other things? I mean, I, I can't be the only person who's like, well, it's surprising there's no envy frame. It's surprising there's no envy cranks. And it's, what, what is the, I guess, is it just that we, we don't think that that's interesting or we don't, or that's being done well elsewhere or, I mean, what, what are the reasons for what you don't do? Yeah. You know, a lot of it, the, there's, there's multiple reasons. So initially, you know, back, you've been to our, we went to our old building. Sure. A lot of it was simply resource and space constraints. You know, when we first started out, we had 
very small space and there was barely enough room just to do the wheel projects that we were doing. Mm. Um, we are very passionate about the components. We have a lot of very, you know, heated and sort of passionate <laughs> debates about what the right direction is to go with certain products and specifically components. And, um, we, we definitely weight and value our component quality and development to an equal extent that we do the wheels. Um, I have stories of, of, of several hundred downhill bars being chopped up because nobody liked how they rode, but we had already sort of passed <laughs> off on these. Anyway, that's sort of the, one of the costs of doing business in Asia. And, um, in that situation where we got a bunch of bars and it wasn't one bar, two bars, it was, you know, a couple hundred. And we, rather than sell them, we decided they just, they didn't have the ride fill and they didn't do what we wanted them to. And so we chopped them up and went back to the drawing board in terms of what the laminate needed to be. And really, um, since then we've scaled. And so we do have some components that we mm -hmm. do manufacture here. You know, we make the carbon road hubs here. We make our mountain stem and now it's, now it's just a strategic decision of what's the best thing to do for the consumer at this point, you know, uh, we're still very much as the wheel business grows, we're just making more and more rims each day out of this facility and where it makes sense. And we have the expertise to plug in a component here in the manufacturing side, we do it. And, um, things that, uh, we're already tooled up for and, and trained and, and dialed for in Asia, like forks we make in Asia. And it's, uh, it's more or less how the strategic cookie crumbled <laughs> over the years of just like being resource constrained and, and wanting to develop the components. So it made sense to go to Asia and we had great, we have great partners over there that, you know, allow us, um, to define the laminates and to have them do the testing that we want them to do. So that by the time we uh, get the product, we, um, it, it is to our specifications and we know the product that we specified is actually what we're getting. And then, you know, we of course do all of our ride testing here. So there's a little, there's different lead times. There's, there's, uh, <clears throat> there's things we can't do with components that we're able to do with wheels in terms of, you know, multiple different iterations. you know, just the timing, like we can, we can bring a wheel to market really fast if we have to, the components just a little longer lead time going through all the same steps and processes with manufacturing it overseas. But yeah, we, we would love to do it all. <laughs> it just really comes down to, you got to pick some resources and you have yeah. to say, you have to say no as much as you say yes, or you have to say no way more than you say yes to, uh, to be where you need to be. I got to say, I'm still kind of obsessing over what would you, what could you do with a bunch of downhill bars that you're not going to use? I'm thinking if you dice <laughs> them properly, like you could make ear gauges, for example, just dice them up. You know? Yeah. Uh, at this point, they're top rings. fiber it's, in some other. Oh, you just, <laughs> you ground them. Didn't even dice them. Oh, man. Yeah, they get, yeah, we have such this, an opportunity this, wasted. We have this machine downstairs you should see. It's, uh, it's impressive. It, it turns all this, turns scrap and, you know, things back into chopped, chopped, chopped fibers that can then be. Um, we'll go take a look in a minute. Yeah, we'll go take a look. I would love to, I would love to see that. I would, you know, don't keep, don't let me get near it because things break when I get close, but absolutely. We'll, well take that's a, a look safe at room it. for you. <laughs> so I, I've asked people this question before, but I mean, if you look at the history of bikes, you know, for a long time, titanium was the dream material. Well, you know, there was, there was steel and then there was titanium and then now it's 
you know, carbon is, or carbon is the dream material for practically everything. What's next? What's after carbon? Um, you know, carbon is still relatively young and we're still making sure. a lot of progress. And, you know, I think initially it's not, there's, there's still pretty cool developments happening with, mm -hmm. with carbon itself. Processes have changed and obviously there's just so much, there's better resin systems. You know, the resin systems we're using today, even from what we started with 10 years ago or insanely better you know it's yeah. it's not just marginally better it's exponentially better um specifically speaking to like what we're able to do in terms of uh heat proof brake tracks you know th that used to be a real issue and obviously it's a massive challenge it was one of the major barriers to entry to producing a carbon fiber clincher road wheel um and now you know what used to be our one of our top sort of warranty issues is yeah. now just not a thing anymore. Like we so rarely see it as an issue anymore because hmm. we put, you know, we've just been chasing that for so many years and, and pushing the envelope in terms of laminates and brake track textures and brake pad compounds and resins. Just in time for everyone to move Just to in disc. time for everyone to move to this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I don't, How about, I don't know that anybody knows, but there's, there's so many cool processes that are being um, scaled like, 3d printing and, you know they're, they're 3d printing you know everything you can from, 3d print carbon uh to a certain extent yeah seriously yep. do you got one of those here no, i would love to see those. that we have, <laughs> like uh, i would love some show and tell for that yeah we've so, so your answer in a way is what what's next after carbon is more refined and better more strat or carbon. yeah <laughs> it's just more carbon more carbon. <laughs> carbon goes to 11 yeah <laughs> I mean, again, carbon's only as good as its process sure. and it's only to as, to an extent as good as the resin system that you're using it for, or, you know, that you're employing in the, the laminate. And so, yeah, there's always, you know, there's, there's always development happening in that arena. Well, Jake, been super interesting talking to you. Thanks for being on the Paceline Tandem. Thanks for, thanks for having me.